do we want to say anything about like what are we going to say we're going to what can't we should just wing it well i I already started the recording oh okay well there you go (laughs) let's just wing it (laughs) oh my god nothing changes right actually everything has changed everything has changed what a uh what a really transformative i want to say crazy i want to say all these different things i don't know know. but but transformative time we're living in i mean yeah with with the pandemic with uh george George floyd Floyd. murdered here in our town Mm -hmm. in front of you know witnesses on the street i mean these things are serious yeah um and then the subsequent uh the subsequent necessary backlash to the that type of behavior. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And and I. But I'll tell you, Jimsy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that living through transformational times was ever going to be easy. Like it does. Cha- people don't change. Well, they do. Easily. They do. Well, they don't change easily. They don't yes. change kind That's of right. systems and institutions and problems. Yeah. I relate this back to, because uh, now they're talking about disbanding the Minneapolis police. And I stuff. know. And I, I relate it back to our life, if you can remember, back to a time when we did construction. I, well. <laughs> I know, you're back at it a little bit right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I remember this morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> we um, have multiple companies. We do. But... Yeah. Um, uh, but you know you can't you can't look at a, a a home that has issues that has been added on to reconfigured you know people have made poor choices along the way and it's just not functioning well it's not working for things you can't look at it and and assume that you're going to be able to repair it without first basically breaking it down. Exactly. We'd see this all the time. Sometimes you got to rip it apart and start over, That's which right. is exactly what's happening here. You know? Yeah. And sometimes you got to rip it. Sometimes you can, you can affect it by, yeah. you don't have to take the entire structure down, yep. but other times you got it. You whole have thing's to do gotta it. Yeah. go. Yep. And then you build a new. Right. Because so, it didn't work by trying to patch it. No. The patches <laughs> you know? have never really fixed the nope. underlying problem. Not at all. So, Well, so, um, welcome can, to the Legacy Matters. Oh, yeah. So we're, so doing we're just kind of doing a little intro. We are. But, I, you know, just in the, uh, just for old time's sake, can you give me a little weather report? I sure can. Yeah. So we are in June, and it is... It's a hot one in Minnesota today. <laughs> wow. I mean, scorching hot. It is. It is hot, humid, uh, 96 degrees, I believe, is the high today. And um, it's a cooker. It is. As they say. It is. As we say in Minnesota, it's a cooker today. So it's always one extreme to the other. Um, uh, yours truly does not do well in the heat. Like, yeah, you don't do. I, no. It's like I just, I. it makes me not function right. well at all you know i gotta tell you i'm not bad in the heat you do okay in the heat i actually do quite well do you yeah yeah mm-hmm. some people like it yeah I, i'm I like mean, yeah. way too minnesotan right like, like <laughs> there's only that one or two weeks on either side of spring and your you know summer or whatever like but spring so the yeah. one or two weeks in spring and fall that where i'm like now this is perfect weather right it's, you know, 65, 70 degrees during the day. Perfect. 45 at night. I'm just in heaven. Yeah. And 
And when I say I do well, I mean, I do well, like, you know, like this morning was fine. And this afternoon, if I had to do something, you know, it's fine. But like, but the duration of the day, then it kind of wears me out, especially at night. Oh, yeah. 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 It's time for the AC at night. Well, anyway, I feel, you know, I, I, it was nice to hear a weather report. Yeah, it was nice to do it. So <laughs> we've been on COVID hiatus for a while. Yeah, I mean, well, we've, we've had several things going on. Um, first of all, COVID threw everything into turmoil, and that's totally. understandable. Yep. Um, we've, managed to, we've managed to pull it together and put out uh, two or three of our past podcasts that we recorded right prior to COVID becoming a thing. Um, But we've, we've struggled, we've struggled to get more than one of us in the studio here to, to just do some introductions. We've struggled with our own need to stay home and Mm -hmm. do work, social distancing, social distancing, the whole thing. And then, and then also uh, we have been working really hard the last month or so Um, for the, for those of you who use, our Andalin product or know of our digital efforts. Um, we have, we have been working hard to sort of describe the use of our kinetic digital library in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the hangups that we've run into is, uh, explaining to people in different social communities like youth groups, uh, addiction recovery services, mm-hmm. um, camps, tribes. Uh, we, we work with addiction recovery high schools. Yep. Um, and especially now our latest, like really getting after this whole hidden history of cities right. project. Yep. Um, when, when you talk about Andalin as a product, and then you tell them that we can build them an app like Andalin is, everyone gets so confused. They go, well, what's that going to cost? A million dollars? No. And how am I going to maintain quite. that? And what do I actually right. own? And yeah. Yeah. So so over the last month or so, uh, if you want to check it out, we have created uh, PSBN, which is the Private Social Broadcast Network. And the idea behind that is uh, if you're on your phone and and you push the Facebook button or the LinkedIn button or the Reddit button. Essentially, that's like going to a different channel, um, if you ask me. So uh, those are broadcast channels, and we are creating broadcast channels for organizations that are that have benefits. institutions. Yeah, that, yep. that provide benefits to yep. uh, their alumnus or their groups. So like... Why would addiction recovery and camps and tribes and youth organizations all kind of fit in the same category? Um, it's because the proprietary tools that we build, Kinetic Digital Library, uh, Q-Connect. Q-Connect, and Plus Social Q, mm-hmm. these are our are, are reimaginings of how to create a digital social channel that people can access on their phone, and I would maintain Yep. That uh, if if the last three months has taught me anything, it's that my kids are going to be in the digital world. I think, yeah, I think all of us are definitely going to be in the digital world. I know. I, I mean, mean, everything has changed. As we started school. the show and you started recording, and I'm like, what should we say? You know, it's I like know. everything has changed. Everything has. I mean, you know, a national shutdown 
you know, everyone's went digital overnight. I mean, everyone's doing Zoom meetings, you know. Yep. So right. all of these tools that that people are kind of familiar with, um, they're they're fine. But so many of them were built for either business or for adults in general. Yeah, and and they're built to not really um, save your content. And they you and know? they aren't. You know, many of them, like Facebook and Instagram and yeah. Twitter, were were built to allow. They purposefully allow fake accounts. Yeah. And so, if you're gonna, if you've got a Girl Scout troop or a Boy Scout troop or a Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. you know, group association. Yeah, I, f- yeah. I forget. They're they're interesting because they're not up here as much as they are. Right. But we've been dealing with them. anyway. If you've got a group like that, and you tell me as a parent that, you know, your troop. Uh, just opened up a private Facebook group so that the kids could all hang out together. I'm still not letting my kid go to Facebook. Right. <laughs> like right. They have access to the rest of the world of Facebook. Yeah. So uh, really a lot of what we're doing on PSBN is uh, providing safe alternative digital spaces for organizations to communicate to their audience and to stay in touch with their alumnus and, mm-hmm to uh let kids have a a safe alternative so those are those are safe channels like pbs is a safe Mm -hmm. channel or Mm -hmm. pbs kids that's what we've been working on yeah so anyway so we got a little caught up in in working on that stuff and i'll tell you uh as a result of that we have i believe eight podcasts i know that need to go out and and we are working I, i love the idea of doing them in your backyard Yep. Under the tent, mm-hmm. the umbrella. That's um, right. And it's going to be our new place to do podcasts. Yeah, at least for a while. You know, outside is a little bit safer. It's still social distancing. You yeah, know, I mean, we'll be we'll, able to sit apart we'll from be our guests. Ten feet away from each yep. other. That's fine. In the yep. out, in the out of doors. You know, yeah. that that Should makes work. it safe. Yep. Yeah. But so as we slowly bring back guests, new guests. Um, and I know that those conversations are going to be interesting. I know that they are oh going gosh. to be, I mean, this is going to be, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a new world in a lot of ways. It is. So, um, I am looking forward to those new ones, but we preserve memories. That's what we do. And there are, uh, like I say, seven or I think eight, eight, eight conversations, that eight we conversations have. we had that we did not get released. Yeah. 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 I mean, we had trouble and yeah. But I don't want them. They're still important, and the people we've had on the show. Uh, I mean, let's I've, go down the list. I've loved everyone who we've had on the show. So let's go down the list. Yeah. Um, so, so these are these are the folks to uh, look forward to in the next few weeks that we're yeah, going to be releasing. Yep, and remember these these conversations were recorded uh, just Pre. just prior to or right as COVID was becoming a thing. Yeah, the last one we're going to mention here was right the next day COVID. Band. Like there everything shut down, lockdown. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting. It was, um, and and still is. I mean, yeah, it and, hasn't gone away. No, of course it hasn't gone away. And and each of us, as I look down this list, I can kind of remember, yeah, each subsequent person coming in, mm-hmm. and us talking just a little bit more. Yeah. About like remember we were right. bumping elbows and stuff and with uh, Steger when he yeah. came in that was I think the first one so yeah yeah so we'll go down the list here Will Steger was the guy that came in right somewhere in here in this list but yeah, I think we, we released him but 
That was the first one where we didn't hug, no handshakes. Aww. It was an elbow bump. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I, you know, I'm just a hugger. I can't I know. help it. I, I know. But anyway, so uh, our first our first guest in this group, and I'm not sure the exact order we'll put these out. Right. Um, it may very well be this order. That's fine. This is order of them coming into the studio, so mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense. Uh, but Kendra Raish now. Yep. Uh, we had a good conversation well, with her. It was great. And she She's helped funny. develop um, one of the comp- local companies here. It was uh, the clothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a... It's got for a sunblocking. Funny name. It does have a funny name, right? Yeah. It, oh, it's the it's a tree in Australia. <laughs> yes. Is that yes, right? Yes, I think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Oh crap! I remember what that. What was it? Uh, but now we're in the peak of summer. It's a hundred degrees out, and I and I thought of Kendra over this I, weekend. Actually, because, that's funny because yeah. I was like, God, you know, I could probably being so fair, fair skin. skin, I burn instantly. Yeah. Um, but I was like. I think I might need to reach out to Kendra and get like a shirt or something. Yes, and I remember she's got a she's uh, she's not from around here. If I'm not right. mistaken, she she came here from California, right? She did. Did we already put her up? San Francisco, San Francisco. I don't think we did. I, I don't well, think we put her up. I think if, I wrote if, up. I wrote, if, I know what happened. I wrote up her intro. Yeah, for the thing, but we haven't got it up. Okay. Yet. So anyway, Kendra's great. Yep. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Yep, and I remember she's she's kind of sarcastic. She is very yeah, kind of, kind of s- funny, smarty pants, yeah, smart aleck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trisha Nissen, uh, who is wow, sort I mean, of yeah, I yeah, mean, you can't beat can't beat what she does. No, so uh, her her company is uh, Storyography by Trisha, and she how timely is this? She records the stories of people's lives for posterity's sake. So, I mean, definitely give that one a listen. I mean, you should listen to all of them, obviously. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. That was a great interview, and she is so super sweet. Uh, Not sweet, the next one, Legacy Matters Live with with Klecko. Danny. (laughs) And... (laughs) Yeah, so that, that that was a classic live show at the 331, where you know we're drinking and talking and just kind of having a good good time um one of the highlights for me i think for all of us was when uh we got presents oh yes you know we we got presents and that was kind of a nice thing danny came in and uh you know gave us all a little book yeah, and, 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 and put a lot of thought into it. But Lori you know? Lindine was there, too. That was the funniest part of it. Of like, course, of course. Yeah, yes. it's not all about Danny's book. It's But everything's all all about Danny when you do something it with is. Danny, right? It is. I mean, what was so fun about that was that he he really kind of took took over. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, if right. you guys aren't going to lead this, I'll, I'll do the intros and stuff. Yeah. And he did a great job. He's clearly, Fantastic. clearly done all that stuff. But... Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, it, was it was a lot fun. of fun. It was. It was. It was those, kind of both a, those two folks are so sweet. Kind of so. a little bit of a shit show, but in a great way. Love it. Was it. Fun. Love yeah. it at the three three one. All right, then we've got uh, Julie Burton. Yep. Uh, whose company is Modern Well. I am hoping that they are doing well. I know they were really on a roll when she when we talked to her. Huge role. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure that uh, that is a shared workspace environment. Yep. Which, and I'm sure that there's you know. The, 
that sort of thing is probably a little bit tough right now. Yeah. I mean, look at all the workspaces seem to be kind of empty. So yeah, well, wishing her the best. Right, all the companies. I mean, are kind of stay at home if you can. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I have no idea what that's like, and and certainly um, we'll put this one up. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, maybe we can have her back at some point and talk talk about what the new reality is. Maybe six yep. months down the road or something. Um, we had Twyla Dang. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Matriarch Digital Media. She super, she founded that. Super interesting, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, She's got a lot going on. A lot of... They, I, there's basically a digital media company putting out podcasts um, f- sort of of, by, and for uh, people of color. And yep. I think especially minority women, right? Right, yep, that's um, correct. And yeah, really... I think it's really, all women that she has... I think so. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's been so long since we had that conversation, but I do, she, she impressed upon me, uh, just, she's a very eloquent speaker and really intelligent lady and great, great guest. I remember enjoying that conversation a lot. For sure. Um, Ellen Stanley, mother banjo. Yep. Um, very that was a fun cool. one. Yeah. 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 Super. I mean, she just reminds me of so many people I know. I mean, who knew the banjo could be cool, right? <laughs> I think that's what I took away. I was like, okay, the banjo's cool. All right. Well, I, that was a, I remember that being a very uh, kind of soothing, it was a fun conversation. It was. like makes you feel good about life. She's quite a wonderful person. And then we had Charlie Bruber, who is a local bass player slash uh, big advocate for the Twin Cities metro area, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, runs, kind of takes care of a, uh, well, he's got some buildings, I think, in his family's. Yeah, understands the history of of our buildings over in the North Loop, formerly yeah. the warehouse district. Yeah, you know, um, Charlie's was was uh, the one. It was the last one, the day before. It was. We had like sort of this announcement where stay home. Yep. Right before COVID, and I remember Charlie came in, and we were talking about like, hmm. What do you think? Is this real? Is this yeah, not? Is this, I know. Is this, this, this going to be a big thing? Oh, God. And then, I mean, we said, see ya. And, <laughs> and then everything shut sudden, down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it, I, I'll have to listen to all of these myself just to put myself back into the mindset of, of oh, what yeah. it was like. And then we did one, uh, you and I and Sarah mm-hmm. kind of... Maybe that was a month ago, month and a yeah, half ago. Yeah, I think so. We kind of all, it was, you know, it was when we were trying to figure out if we could fire things back up. And right. I'm not going to say that it's our best episode. Uh, it's not. It's well, not. but I, I think what's but interesting it, okay. about it. Yeah, I think what's interesting about it is I think if I were to go back and listen to that, I think you would be able to kind of hear the the searching, the questioning the anxiety that we were all facing at the time for sure of you know, can we do shows together like this anymore? Or do we need to figure something else out? Like, and what can they be here at the studio? Yes. Can they be, or should they be at the park or something like that? Right. Or, and I remember we were talking about like, can we do them on zoom? But that's not really our style. That's not, we really, have to be in front of people. We, we do because you know, it's, it's so uh, spontaneous. And yeah. Kind of we, we react to each other. So it, you know, it just doesn't work over Zoom. No, uh, I agree. So, you know, we're, uh, I, I know that we, we did that one and just, 
you know, just to put it out there, we will throw it out there. So yeah. Sarah's going to kill me because I was supposed to do a quick introduction. Oh, is that, is that what she said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who cares what she says? <laughs> That's horrible. I don't mean that. I totally don't mean that. God, now that sounds, now that it even sounds worse now that I said that. I do care what Sarah thinks. Oh my God. I know Big you just trouble. got yourself in so much trouble. Oh, uh, that's great though because uh, she knows exactly what we mean by that. We I know. Uh, when when Sarah is here to rein us in, right? Then we do a certain thing. Yeah. But when she should know better than to tell me to do a quick intro, because then know. we're just gonna sit here and babble away. Well, then we just sit here and talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so if you're listening to uh, one of these eight it looks like podcasts that we're going to throw out here in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. just to get them back out and hopefully get our our podcast engine fired back up uh you don't have to listen to this each of the eight times it's going to be the same for each of right those you can just shows. fast forward it yeah. you go about 20 minutes in you'll get rid of us and yeah and be on with the show um really all uh, right again so last month our audience was the the number of subscribers we had was the highest it's ever been. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing. It Thank is. Thank you for listening. Everyone. Yeah. We, Thanks for subscribing, I should say. Thanks for pushing that all button. Of all of it. Yeah. Thanks for the comments, too. Yeah. And sharing with your friends and, yep. you know, and just sitting through these things with us. I know a lot of you, a lot of you throw it on and leave it on in the background and miss half the stupid crap we say, but that's fine. Whatever. That's all right. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> And uh, we wish you all well. We do. And um, hopefully everyone is doing well in these challenging times. Yeah. Or just, I, I mean, you know, I mean. Honestly, reach out if, if there's anything, I mean, whatever. Anything Legacy Matters can do. Yeah, you know? truly. If I, there's someone that you want to have on the show, send us a link. Give us yep. a shout out. We'd be more than happy. If, if there's even a topic you'd like us to talk about sort of look into and talk about we're we're happy to do it i think you know we're i mean this is all about you the community it's every it's the community that we live in that's how we draw our guests yeah and this is i mean the legacy of our city and the legacy of our time you know we we truly care about that stuff so yeah reach out to us if there's anything that uh, you'd like to hear from us or like to say to us we appreciate it all right all right all right Here comes the regular old intro music and uh, our usual stuff and our current guest. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. All right, Jimsy. I feel like we we should do this. Yep. All right, let's go on. Yeah, good. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to Legacy. <laughs> welcome to Legacy Matters. Thanks for tuning in. Yep, yep. Fire All right, it's just uh, Sam style. and I today, Jim. Yep. Sarah is not in tequila country, nor in wine country, nor in wine country. She's, She's helping in, people. 
Well, she's in beer country today. Oh, yeah, true. A rural she Minnesota is. that is beer yep. country. It is that straight up. Beer just so country. people understand, uh, Sarah, as a tourist, is not always knee deep in the product of the local region of the region she's in. So it doesn't mean she's always got bottles of wine surrounding her if she's in wine country or tequila surrounding her in tequila country or beer in beer country but we like to point out the regional beverage of choice in the places that sarah hangs out <laughs> wow okay well anyways that i was, a, ju- I was <laughs> just gonna say she's in beer country that's all i was gonna say oh and, and it's like coors kinda, light country too well, kind of yeah it's also kind of it's not ipa country no i was gonna say you know hams uh, no Schlitz? No. Blatz? Well, I know this isn't correct, but I, w- I just wanted to bring up Rhinelander. Oh, God. Right. Oh, the dregs of know, all right? shitty no. beer. Okay. Our guest is shaking her head no. She does <laughs> not know Rhinelander. No one should. Uh, sorry, we've probably lost Rhinelander as uh, a sponsor. A sponsor no they, they way. Weren't. No way, because no one it doesn't ever matter mentions how- Rhinelander, and they would be... I think they could sponsor us. Do you know, I have a Rhinelander story that I'll tell really quick before we get going. I have one, too. Okay. So, I'm going to make them really kind of blend into one. Okay. Uh, One summer, uh, (laughs) my my cousin who owns a uh, liquor store convinced me to buy a pallet, which is like four cases, I think, or something, of Of a flat or whatever of Rhinelander, and I brought it up to camp with me. Uh, this was at the end of camp and it was, that's, you know, when the summer's over, like everyone will have a beer, right? And nope, they would not touch it. Like even, even those newly to drinking beer who will drink any beer you give them would not touch the stuff. Right. Well, so you must've opened one and everyone had one. Everyone had one. Everyone had one. And did they finish the one? Not a single I was the only one who choked one all the way down, and I swear I got sick from it. It yeah. was so bad. Okay. All right. So, so that, mine. Yeah. So I'm, you know, maybe, I don't know how old I am, but, you know, maybe 14. 22. Oh, yeah. Somewhere between 18 and 22. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right around that age. And uh, we're up north, and I don't know how, but one night, my friends and I, we, we, were, we had Rhinelander. Yeah, but we had a lot of beer before we had the Rhinelander, right? Beer. And we thought, oh my god, this is the best beer. Right. I mean, we were we really thought like, wow, this is great. You thought the Rhinelander beer yeah, was the yeah, best? Yeah, we thought the Rhinelander like premium. Was, yeah, we were like, wow, this is really good. Yeah, and uh, so and cheap. Oh, right? it's dirt cheap. Yeah, dirt cheap. So the next day, we were all excited about the Rhinelander. We're like, we're gonna buy a case of Rhinelander. Yeah, and we did, and a whole case of Rhinelander was like. I don't know, five bucks maybe. Yeah, you know, something like that. Bottles too, you know. Fancy. It was it was fancy. <laughs> I mean, it was like the kind of grain belt case, you know. Remember this time we, the time we did a show and we didn't even and we talk didn't to even talk guest. to our guest. Trisha's like, you guys are. Idiots. <laughs> anyways, so uh, all right, I'm going to speed this up. So, anyways, we bought the case of Rhinelander, right? Yeah. So the next day we're like, oh yeah, I can't wait to have the Rhinelander. <laughs> So we chilled it, you know, and it's in the fridge. And uh, it's in my parents' basement fridge, right? And uh, we go down there and we get a couple beers and we crack them open and we take a sip. And we're like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is Seven years later, there was still Rhinelander sitting in that fridge. Yeah, so 
so we did not drink the Rhinelander. And nope. that case of Rhinelander sat in the fridge for years. Yep. It was the beer fridge. And no one ever touched it. Even when we were out of Blatt's, yeah. I still didn't drink a Rhinelander. So like, today's show is brought to you by Rhinelander Beer from Rhinelander, Wisconsin. We'd like to thank them for up. making a beautiful product. <laughs> That we love. Oh, right. Anyway, Jim. Okay, <laughs> quick weather. Sorry, Trisha. Um, anyways, we are in February. Uh, let's see. Uh, it, it's cloudy. It's typical, mm. you know, Minnesota. It's a little, yeah. Oh, we got the wah. thumbs down from Trisha. Thumbs down yep. from, from our guest. Uh, yep. Very cloudy. It's a little flurries. You know. It's uh, you know, I think it was twenty eight degrees, or was it? Oh, it was degrees? nice. It was right around thirty this morning, but it's supposed to be Toasty. negative six for a high or something tomorrow. Really? It's dropping like a rock. Yep. Oh, Terrible. Boy. Terrible. Times. I gotta get the furnace fixed. Travis is coming in on Friday. It's working still. You're fine until yeah. it's not working. Right. Well, we know how that worked for me last time. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm introducing, okay. unless you want to. No. Okay. Uh, we have... Well, Sorry. To, well, it, well, he meant no as in, we, we both fumble through these. We always... Right. You know, so he's more confident that I'll get through it. And actually, you have a nice, easy name. Trisha Nissen. Yes. Bam. I guess I could have done that. Storyography. Sorry, storyography by Trisha. Yes. And uh, you are our guest today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hi, Trisha. Thanks for coming Hi. in. <laughs> You've been in here before, so this is not like a typical guest where we don't, where we never met you. We've met you multiple times now. Thank you for allowing me to break the rules. Yeah, I think yeah. I think what it was was um, you were nervous that that we weren't going to be um, professional. Professional. Yeah, yeah. That's I what don't I think. think that was the reason. Okay. No. That's well, why she's smiling like it might well, be. Well, after that Rhinelander <laughs> introduction. I will be honest and tell you that for about the first half of that discussion, I thought we were talking about someone named Ryan Lander. Lander. Oh, oh, I like it. Wow. No, Rhinelander is a lovely small town in mm-hmm. north central, I think north Wisconsin country, right? Wisconsin. And yeah. they have a brewery there that makes a delightful product, and we're happy to have them as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Not for real. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I will be sure to try it. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Listen. So are you uh because because your your profession really is recording people, are you polite and you wait for the other person to stop talking before you start talking? What I love about what the three of us are doing right now and what I do for a living is that it's conversational. And so sometimes the person I'm talking with interrupts me and sometimes I interrupt them because we're having so much fun. We just can't stop ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So um, that does segue nicely into what exactly do you do for a living? I help elders share their life stories with their families. Oh, yeah, we know this already, but it, I mean, I love the way you no say it. No one listening it. knows this, so no. But it's so short and succinct and clear. Yeah, I mean that sums it up right there. It is. So, yeah. all right. So, how'd you get into this? I think my whole life has been building toward this, but to fast forward to the direct impetus in 2017. My dad died. My 
boss, who was the most formative person in my adult life, died. And someone who I was in the middle of interviewing died. This was when I was working for a PR firm in St. Paul. And those deaths hit me hard. And a year later, my husband died. And after all of those deaths, I certainly knew my life was good. And I was so happy to have the most wonderful friends, the best family. And at the same time, life is too short to not do what you love. And while I liked what I was doing and I was good at what I was doing, I don't think God put me on earth to do those things. I think he put me on earth to do this. And Mm -hmm. that's, uh, so like a PR firm, so you were doing just public relations. I was doing public relations in general, but primarily my job was helping Native American tribes and Native causes, Uh. as well as working in crisis communications. Because as much as I I understand the you know the term public relations and so I don't really know what a person who would work for a public relations firm would do and I think there is there is some sort of a negative there or there can be some sort of a negative connotation with that but I've come to find out through knowing you and Elizabeth Emerson who did a, a show with us that. Uh, public relations isn't always like lobbying for the big giant bad thing in the world. It can be doing things for small groups that need help too. So is that right? Yes. I think the easiest way to think about it is just communications with strategy. Mm -hmm. So in other words, not just communicating blindly or wondering what the audience might think of what we're sharing, but actually going into it knowing this is my audience this is what I need to get, get across, and how do I most strategically do that so that they'll actually remember what I'm trying to get across and understand whoever I'm talking about better. So the opposite of what we do here, we do because we have, we're blind as blind can be. We just throw things out there. I don't think you do. Give yourself. <laughs> oh <a> gosh, <laughs> look what just happened. That was. Oh that yeah, was, I don't know. That was. Uh, you there listened. was nothing. <laughs> You've listened to a few, but maybe not enough. Right. It's <laughs> okay. So, so you had some pretty, you know, oh, yeah. little things that happened, and then you know, so you decided to leave the PR firm. I left the PR firm after the initial three deaths that we yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't love it there. I yeah. still am close friends with everyone there, and I loved my job there. It was just time. I had worked there for eighteen years. Oh, yeah. It was a long time. And so I had an opportunity to go to work directly for a tribe, and I did that. And I had every intention of working for them in public relations for the foreseeable future. But I couldn't have foreseen my husband's death. And so after that occurred, it became hard to to find the meaning in my job that I wanted to on an everyday, every minute basis. And maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on my career, but I think Mm. I chose to go in another direction where I have the opportunity to literally do what I wish I could do all the time for free for everyone who wants and needs it and have them get the stories that we all cherish and that we uh, all wish we had after the fact from right. our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Yeah, and, so and that's kind of how we were introduced because yeah, that's clearly sure. what we 
you know, we do a lot of and care about here. So, so how did that sort of evolve? Like, so now I know, like, your company, like, you are interviewing families and getting that story down. I mean, so, well, it's interesting, right? The beginning of, I mean, everything Sam and I and Sarah are doing is very in line with with similarities of of what you're doing. And so my parents have passed. I have a garage full of stuff. I don't have the stories attached to the stuff. You know, before my parents passed, they tried to tell me as much as they could through the years. But, you know, I'm like not listening. We forget. Right. Even if we think we're going to remember, we forget. I have a horrible memory. Horrible. Oh, God. Both of us. That's why we created a... Oh, awful memories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can barely remember what he's saying. Yeah, I, that guy is sitting yeah. there, and I'm half the time I'm here. I'm like, who is the dude at the other end of the table? It's not the true. Feeling is mutual, but but it it's true. Uh, you know, there are things that I can remember with distinct clarity, and then there are so many things where people say, "Well, don't you remember we did this together, and and we were at this place?" And I'm like, God, you know, vaguely, I remember right. something about that, yep. but. But only well, through talking to them does it prompt the full memory to re- and return. And then there's another thing that, that I'm interested in is false memories. You know, how you kind of think you remember something, but then you don't. You know, and you kind of fill in the blanks, like how you think it might have happened. I think that's common. Totally. To all of us. Mm-hmm. And... Usually those are collective memories, like maybe we did this five times over the course of two and a half years, and all of those five times combine in our memory to form one distinct memory. And I'm all right with that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, my kids will will claim to have, and I, I know this is true for me, but they will claim to have memory of something that they were tiny infants for because they've heard it so many times they've heard told the story of this is what your uncle did when he came over and he took your stuffed animal away from you and you cried and you know and then when they're 10 and 12 they're like oh yeah i remember that but well you don't really remember it you've just put yourself into the story so many times for us telling it that now you think you do you know that's another Mm -hmm. kind of that false memory thing right Okay, so so how did this I mean how, how did this jump happen for you? From from, you know, how did who is your first client? Ah. My clients are primarily families. Usually adult children will hire me to interview mom, dad, or mom and dad. Uh that isn't always the case, but usually that's how I, I, I get new clients and I primarily have worked for people who know people I know. However, I've met several new people in my own community here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota uh, because they're hearing about me and what I do. And I think more people are talking about the kind of work that I'm doing and the kind of work you're doing uh, because of things like Ancestry.com when people are sending right. in their their DNA for sampling and they're thinking more about these things. I, I think we're living in a time when we want more to be possible in terms of preserving history. And I think it's it's more specific to us than just 
big picture history. I want to know my parents and my grandparents and who we are as people and where we came from. And yes, I can get the, the results back from Ancestry and it'll tell me I'm 50% this and 25% that and a mix of many other things. But what it doesn't tell me is what was it like for my grandparents coming over from Norway? What was that ship like? And then when they got here, what, what did they do? They didn't speak English. Right. Yeah, <laughs> how, did how did they did get to work? Minnesota? How did they get to North Dakota? And that's just one tiny example of their life story that we want to know. And yes, we know they came from Norway, but that's it. Yeah. And I think there's the desire to know so much more. And as I'm sitting with elders... I, I, I'm finding that they too wish they knew more. And right now we live in a time when we have more tools to capture that than our grandparents certainly would have had. They might have written things down better than we do because we just don't take the time to do that anymore. But and We have more to remember. Uh, more to remember in general because, uh, I mean, like throughout what, I don't know, the last 50 years or something, but the nuclear family, whether... Whether it's nuclear or not, but like your immediate family, generally speaking, we separate a lot. So, you know, World War II, a lot of history was lost. Any war, any conflict, mm-hmm. a lot of people's family history gets lost because it's uprooted. Think of the Great Depression. Yeah. You know? And now we're doing that by choice. We're saying, I'm, I'm going to have fewer children to carry on my my stories and my name to remember things and those children are going to go live separate lives in separate places with without you know like my my mother's family they all kind of lived in the same neighborhood kept all the stories alive everyone went over to grandmother and grandpa's house or you know their folks house all the time and that isn't as common i think to history in order to be interesting to a broader range of public has to be something tangible to us it can't be the the big stories of history that are passed down by the extraordinary men that's generally what it's been yeah and in history that is what it has been and what does what does extraordinary mean i think most of us want to know the ordinary everyday lives of the people we we came from and if we can make it more tangible like that, I think more people will be interested in their family's history and their community history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's something that we actually touch on quite a bit is the hidden history. So, you know, coming from Elk River and, and moving all over the, the country and then kind of several places in the world and now coming back, I was taught a history up until I was 18 through my school system that first of all I probably lacked the tools to fully understand what was being taught to me because I was a kid you know Uh, and even the things I did take interest in and care about they were taught by that history was preserved by the extraordinary men or the people who Mm -hmm. you know lionized the extraordinary men or whatever but what what we've found through talking to people like yourself and uh just other people in our community. Chris Coleman talked about this, but like, I wouldn't know that that just down the road, the people who I now live next to had this issue. You know, I didn't know about redlining because we didn't learn about that in my high school, not that I recall. Uh, 
and I'm interested in, we're interested in the hidden history of places. I love learning more real information about the native communities that lived here rather than just, oh, there was once a native man here and here's a plaque that shows the native man. You know, like, it's so, there's, there's no substance to that. I want to know what really happened and how it plays a role right. in all of our we lives. We do talk a lot about that, the hidden history and, you know, like you mentioned, the redlining. I mean, uh, Sanjeet was in here, Sanjeet yeah. Sati from MCAD, and we talked quite a bit about that. But even in my high school, like, I don't remember it, but I think if it happened, it happened like one day, you know? The, and, the and, yeah, telling like, of that history. Yeah, and, and now it's like, you know, I do want to know. I want to know what this land is, you know, and the history of the land that we're here, you know? Yeah, and and when you're when you're 16, you don't know that you're going to want to know that someday. Right. And so you're preserving that through the telling of stories throughout the community. How how long do people sit with you? If I'm interviewing an individual, typically I interview them one day for about two or three hours, and I interview them a second time within a week of that for about two or three hours, and then. The third time might only be one or two hours, okay. uh, but it usually takes three different interviews, two or three hours apiece, and in that time they can share the highlights and uh, e- even the ordinary parts of their life. But they can uh, they can traverse their whole, you know, eighty years, ninety years, whatever it is. Uh, some people take less, some people take more, but on average. My total number of hours with people is in the six to eight range. So you're recording. They're talking like we are right now. But then what's the end result? Do they get a book too? Every client wants something a little different. So I'm always entering a project with some vision of what we're going to have at the end. Some people are very adamant that they have a book before we ever start. And then other people don't realize they want a book until the end. And some people don't want a book at all. And that is fine, too. Honestly, Mm -hmm. the most important thing that I do is sit down with these folks and do the interview. Once you have the interview done, you have all the material that you need. That's the only thing that's really important. Everything else can be done at any time. But typically, what I do and what people receive is we sit across the table from one another and uh, there's a microphone between us and they share their story in an interview format, but it's really conversational. Once I get started, it, it's, it turns into a conversation in no time and it should feel, and I think it does feel like it's a, just a, a good conversation between two friends who trust one another, who are comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. And after the three interviews are done, I have the audio Then I transcribe that and edit that so that it reads cleanly like a nice story would. And for some people, if they choose, I take it a step further and uh, do heavier editing so that it falls more into categories and chapters. Mm -hmm. And then for the people who want a book especially, I make sure to gather some photos that go with the story. Mm -hmm. Great. So, So you mentioned that the kids are the ones that sometimes find you and hire you to do this. So when you're done, are the kids sort of like, do they find out things that they didn't know? 
I think most people find out a significant amount of information and interesting details that they never knew before. There's something special that happens when a person is sharing their story for the first time with someone. What a client will tell me is mm-hmm. radically different than what a, a father or mother will tell their child. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when we're talking, the the ultimate people who are getting the story are the sons and daughters and grandkids. But what they get is different than what I think anyone else would be able to accomplish. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have those conversations. I think we should all be having these conversations with our parents. However, there's something truly special about sharing something the first time. And they will usually tell me things that they wouldn't tell their kids. And I think it's because I come into it with no context of, you know, what personally might have been going on in their lives at the time when they're at the time of the story. Um, I come in with no judgment. It's just a clean slate for me. And anytime we would share something with our siblings or our parents or our kids there there is knowledge there and sometimes whether we want to believe it or not there's a little bit of judgment or there's a little bit of judgment (laughs) or there's or there's at least awareness to certain things that then the parent chooses to gloss over yeah there's a whole different story you tell people you know and love than than you tell a stranger kind of i mean it's they're along the same lines but the detail is different for sure. And I, I think, think the level of which, the, le- the level yeah. of information they're willing to share is uh-huh. different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would think that would happen. I mean, it happens with us, with this podcast, quite a bit. I mean, it's always interesting. Yeah, a lot of people leave here saying, right. I have never talked about that before. And it's usually mm-hmm. good. But it's, it's, it's always good, I it's think. The, yeah. It's the reason we don't do research on people, because that's an unfair advantage then, right? So if you... If you met with a new interviewee and you knew a lot about a lot of things that they had done in life, it would be different than if they're just telling you fresh for the first time. Like you have to be able to come up with those questions, I imagine, in the moment and let the conversation lead where it's going to go. So do you meet them before you start recording? Like, is there an introduction or do you just show up ready to go? Throw it on and go. Like like we do. (laughs) Yeah. It varies. Sometimes I do meet my elder clients in advance and sometimes i only meet their kids who are the ones hiring me mm-hmm. uh and, and then when other you times say I kids do. a lot of times these people are maybe someone that i might consider elderly right most of the people are you know certainly in their 40s plus well that's hiring elderly me. these days oh we're nowhere near being elderly i'm in I'm my 40s <laughs> he's for kids they look at do you remember when you were like 16 and you're and you'd look at people and think like <laughs> They're 46. I can't believe. I would never be 46. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe I'm around a bunch of old people. <laughs> I think <laughs> it all depends w- what our perspective is, what our lens is. Uh, as a kid, I didn't know other children, really. Oh. And so I only held, hung out with older people. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in rural North Dakota on a farm. Oh yeah, there's no there's no other kids around unless you have brothers and sisters. So we do know yeah. a little bit. So how rural was it? Very. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I <laughs> I went to school if this gives you any idea. <laughs> this where I'm, yeah. I went I, to I school 
uh, in Catherine, North Dakota, mm. and my class had five kids. That is old school, bro. <laughs> that's tiny. That is like that's like something my it's grandma would have said. You can even said. talk to people. Yeah. How did you even like, get socialized in any way? I was always with my parents' friends and my grandmas and grandpas and their friends, and that was yeah. my earliest exposure to working with elders. Sure. And of course, at the time, it wasn't working with. It was yeah. literally just befriending and listening to. <laughs> yeah. And I was just, I was just in heaven listening yeah. to everything that they had to say. And I wanted to know more. And I was trying to balance that with they what my mom had told you, me to behave right? and, yeah. you know, not, not, not talk too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to know so much more. Right. And I think. As I as I look back on it, I, I think most of them truly loved it because of course they did. If if kids that's, were rare in my life, imagine how rare kids were in their life. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, where's Trisha? Is she coming over tonight? You know, for dinner. <laughs> yeah, I have some talk. stories we'd, to we'd tell. Love to <laughs> She's the only one who listen you know? to me anymore. But you you have brothers. I have correct? two older brothers. They're eight and ten years older now, than I am. It, okay, so they they're not included in the five at school. Oh, you. you you are to your older brothers what my daughter is to her older brothers. Because they they were 8 and 10 basically when she was born. So, yeah. They they were, you know, gone in college by the time I yeah. was in 4th grade. Yeah. So, I I grew up kind of feeling like an only child, probably you, you feels are. Sort of technically at that point, they, they consider you an only child. Yep. But I, I love my brothers, and they were so good to me, and we're close now. Once you become adults, the yeah. age difference doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it and doesn't. And I honestly feel and have, have felt this way for a long time, that it's really important to have friends of all ages, and if we don't, uh, I think we're missing out on something. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's something our... Even our neighborhoods are messing up a little bit. They're... They're homogenizing the age range of people that live in them rather than having, you know, like a lot of, I live in South Minneapolis, a lot of the South Minneapolis neighborhoods have these little bungalows that sit back into the block and they, that would be where the older person lived for a while or what, you know, they were, they were set up to have multi-generational living kind of. And now everyone's tearing everything down and building just family homes and there are far fewer elderly people in the neighborhood and no way for a new young couple just starting out to get into the neighborhood because it's too expensive. So then you've got just middle-aged professionals, you know, and I think you miss out on something when you have kind of you do. a younger crowd and an older crowd and yeah, people mixture. mixing around. Yeah. Yeah. Before we take a little break, um, I just wanted to, so your when you're a little kid, you're hanging out on the farm. You've little got the Trisha. older people, little Trisha's hanging out, and she gets to Tell talk me to a people. Story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you learn how to do this stuff, and then, and then it sounds like you went and worked in a in a field that you were proud of, and you had a great career, but it wasn't necessarily your life's work, is how you put it. And so I can see how the extension of your youth leads into this feeling like your life's work and you're doing something really important. Um, the And then 
you know, we'll we'll get into the more of the fun parts of your life, maybe or something after this. But uh, well, this sounds this fine. is this all is fun. <clears throat> it is all fun. It is all fun. But the but the deaths were the deaths that happened to kind of prompt you to move on to this new stuff. They were they were all like unrelated from one another, but within a very short period of time, it sounds like. And were they were most of them or all of them sort of you didn't see it coming, didn't know it was not a lot of warning the the first three that i talked about my dad the person who founded the company where i worked yeah and the the gentleman i was interviewing uh they all had illnesses so those were not unforeseen deaths nonetheless i think for all of us that's a lot of we face we face our first immediate family deaths with complete unfamiliarity for what that's going to look like sure it's different having your dad die than having your grandfather die unless you've grown up with your grandfather in the same house and so watching it and honestly being a big part of of his passing that that's just a a very personal experience and grief that most of us haven't encountered before that first time and there's there's just this overwhelming sense of i i didn't get to everything with this person sure. and i w- wish that i could have done and said and felt more yeah. and so I, I think my dad's death coupled with the other men who died that year um drove home for me how important it is to fully live the life I believe I'm supposed to be living. Mm -hmm. And then a year later when my husband passed away, I I just instantly knew life is too short to waste a single moment wondering if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And not only did I know that I should move on, I knew what I should move on to. And oftentimes that's what it takes. I think many of us know that we should move on from something, whether it's a relationship or a job or a house. But until we see what that next step is, Mm -hmm. oftentimes we have a difficult time taking a leap. And for me, I knew what I had dabbled in my entire life, which was spending time with older people and interviewing them. I just knew that there had to be more to it. And why couldn't I do that for my career? Why why wouldn't I do that right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, make a life of it. Yeah, for sure. Do you do you have any idea what a death doula is? I do. Do you? Okay, because we, we had... We have a good friend of ours. Katie Ufasan, really and it sounds I've like... I've listened to that episode. Oh, did yeah. you? She is absolutely wonderful. And it just and, sounds well, like... Well, we talked about it, actually, last time you were here. I should connect... I actually, that's right. I need to connect you with her. And, and her, yeah, because you know, your worlds bring are, together are several much. parts of of the same sort of puzzle, which is like, really, how do we prepare for death? And that's something she talks about. And it's not that you're preparing people for death by talking to them. It's that how do you enter into the certainty of death, of, of the end of your life? You know it's going to happen. We all do. Uh, but how do you enter into that Maybe maybe feeling a little bit of relief that you did take care of a few things that you otherwise people put off things all the way to the end everybody procrastinates 
says it's never going to happen, and then they leave things unsettled, well, unfinished. And, and even when you do know it, it's going to happen. So I just lost someone very dear to me, like a second mother to me. Oh, yeah, I knew right. it was going to happen, but still, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of inch along and there's all these things that you say like, oh, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. And you kind of do. I mean, I think I did, you know, but at the same time, I didn't ask enough questions, you know, which is where you kind of fill in, you know, to be able to come in and ask and do an interview with someone. You know, and ask the historical yeah, questions. Yeah, the historical questions. I mean, I remember being at her house just you know a few months ago, and we went through all these photos. And of course, this is partly me, you know. But you know, as I'm standing there looking at them, and she's telling me all this stuff, I kind of, as Sam would say, you know, I get a little glossed over, and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about. Hmm, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about everything except for what <laughs> what I'm supposed to be listening to, you know? Just and the, and then I then I'm like, "Oh my god, wait a second. Pay attention. This is this is going to happen, you know?" And then it does. And then I'm left everyone's like, "Well, did she tell you about these photos?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I can't quite remember, but I think this is this this. You know what I mean? And I could have recorded it. I could have recorded that conversation, but there's something Especially with what we're doing. I mean, this is exactly what our app is meant to do in some ways, right? But it's hard to be in the moment, you know, and then also working, you know, and trying to do that. And that's where, you know, when you're, as you were saying, you know, when you're close to someone, you know, it's hard, it's hard to do that. So I, I really think what you're doing is very important and has a huge purpose. Yeah, I agree. For people. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, this is fun. We'll take a little break. But let's try and have a little more fun next. We do, I like this, fun. Yeah, this always happens. But this is fun. No, no, I it's like it's this. good. This it's good. It's just a very serious topic, and, and I, it's so important. But let's take a little break. Okay. We'll, we'll come back. All righty. Today's show is brought to you by the Andalin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique modeler servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consultation. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit JamesHolmberg.com to find out more. All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam, 
Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started. For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit LegacyMattersPodcast.com. there are we there i feel like we're ready all right okay what do you got jim all right we're hey, back welcome, welcome to the back. second half you only left 36 seconds ago or whatever thanks for tuning in <laughs> <Yeah>. trisha <laughs> you're a singer let's hear about singing oh he put you on the it spot. connects to exactly what we've been talking about my earliest memories are of singing in church and singing at what was then called a nursing home in, what do they call them now? It varies, but I Assisted think senior care living. communities is a common term. Old folks home? They don't call it that anymore? It depends on who is describing okay. the place. <laughs> anyway, I came from a fairly musical family. My mom could can play the piano and organ and accordion and guitar oh. all by ear. And so... She was more than happy to have me sing while she was playing. So she was the pianist at church for over 50 years, and therefore I was in church every Sunday, and I sang solos from How many people age were in three your on. It was a small church. When I was a little girl, on a good Sunday, there were maybe 50 people. Perhaps it, 40. Oh, that's pretty good. Was it really little out in the country, too? The church where I went was in a small town of Hastings, North Dakota, which is now population 15, okay. one five. <laughs> and it was, so it was smaller? 15. And it was smaller than? 1,500. One five. 15. But you said, you said it was in a small town in North Dakota, Hastings, with a population now of 15. Does that mean when you were younger, it was smaller than 15? It was probably 30, 40, 50. In oh, that range, when I was a larger. little girl, and you were there during the boom. <laughs> yes, my one of my grand sets of grandparents lived in Hastings, and that's where we went to church. Okay, and that was where my mom was baptized, confirmed. You know, was her whole life, and my dad was at a country church until he was a small child, and then he joined that church as well. My parents met when they were probably in first grade. Okay. They both went to school in Hastings, North Dakota. And that's where I went to church and where I sang and, you know, knew a few kids before I went to school. I didn't know anyone outside of my Sunday school class until I went to school. I shouldn't, uh, and I, I don't, hope that didn't come across as me poking fun of the size of the town it, the or the boom. Is the decline in the numbers of people in that town, first of all, I would ask, because I have spent time in in rural North Dakota, uh, has it, when you cut the size of a town in half, that has to have had an impact on how the town is, like the health of the town? Or, but also, is that is that related to uh, the consolidation of farms, do you know? Tiny North Dakota towns of, of my growing up years are now more uh, just gatherings of homes than they are anything else. Uh, unfortunately, many of them have no businesses. Uh, and if they have any business at all, it might be a bar and right. a grain elevator. And 
hopefully still a church. Um, and some are doing better. But keep in mind, these small towns were built around the year 1900 to support farming communities. And agriculture at that time was brand new to these places. People were coming from Norway and Sweden and other places in Europe and, and Russia uh, to settle there. And so it was booming. And, you know, at the height of, of these towns, they might have had several hundred people. Sure. Uh, and now because of the consolidation of agriculture and all of the the negative things really that are happening in agriculture the 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 farms are going away and there are fewer farmers farming more land and along with that comes smaller towns of aging populations and so as grandmas and grandpas die so do the towns, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and the histories of those towns. Yes, un- unfortunately. And I still love my hometown so much. Catherine, <laughs> North Dakota is fantastic. And how big is Catherine? Um, somewhere between probably 50 and 75 people. Okay. And it, what's still open in Catherine is the church and the post office and a bar. Yeah. Well, that's how you need then. There you go. <laughs> well, okay. Back it up a second here now. We'll go back to singing. Are you singing? Where are you singing? What are I you doing? grew up singing yes. with my mom playing, but then I also, uh, the, my whole, all of my growing up years, I sang significantly for school and church, and uh, I slowly began singing for weddings and funerals. And I still sometimes sing for weddings and funerals now. And I love it, but I graduated from high school in 1991. I continued to sing pretty regularly in college because I had scholarships to do so. And I had voice lessons in, in college as well. I, I sang at a pretty high level back then. And now it's just harder. I don't yeah. perform as often, and therefore so my my voice is just not what it used to be. And I don't like the feeling of it because if I want to sing, if I'm going to sing for a wedding or a funeral, I want to be mm-hmm. happy with what I what I'm offering. And so it's just harder and harder to do as good of a job, or even maybe slightly less. But everybody else tells me I'm crazy. <laughs> I was so, going to say no, you're probably no, no. crazy. I, no, yeah, you probably I, have I, a beautiful I suspect voice. you're probably a great singer. Yeah. So, oh. okay, so, so where did you go to college? I grew, went to my undergraduate years of college at Valley City State University. Valley City is about one hour west of Fargo, and it is a small liberal arts college. I think the present enrollment is probably around 16 or 1700, which is a little bit larger than what it was when I went there. So I have degrees in history and English from Valley City State. And when I graduated from that university, I went on to get my master's degree in history from North Dakota State University Yeah, mm-hmm. in Fargo. NDSU. The Bison. So did you, did you visit the college before you enrolled? Like, did you go? How far your from parents Catherine? Fl- yeah, like, did you take a trip and say, like, oh, maybe I'm going to go, go to college? The nearest city that would have grocery stores and gas and any kind of retail activity whatsoever was Valley City to, okay. to where I grew up. Yep. So I, I grew up on a farm 12 miles south of Valley City. And so 
honestly, I had grown up taking part in uh, singing activities at Valley City State and playing basketball at at the college gym and so I was already familiar with it before mm-hmm. I ever decided to go there but my reason for going there was that I didn't know exactly what I what I wanted to do and I thought why am I going to waste my parents money and my time by going somewhere completely unfamiliar way far away way far away yeah right so I went to Valley City State and I loved it did you yeah. Did you get to, did you have a campus experience? Like, did you stay on campus or were you at home during your time there? I lived in the dormitory for three years and then I lived in a house just off campus with three other girls my senior year. Okay. So you had like the perfect college experience. I honestly feel like I had about as ideal of an ex- of a college experience of yeah. anyone. Yes. Yep. I loved it from start to finish. And if I could repeat all of it again, I would. <laughs> You'd go right back to I, I, could I don't see it know that face. I would change a thing, even though, you know, of course, there were mistakes made and experiences yeah. had. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's but, college. But in a yeah. controlled setting, it sounds like. I mean, you're, you're supposed to. You, I can't imagine you growing up on the farm near Catherine, like knowing what the world at large was like. I think growing up on a farm... Or in a rural area makes it hard to imagine what the bigger world world has to offer in terms of careers and and dangers and experiences and and it's not to say that I mean listen I split my time rural and urban you know as a kid I, I my folks when they divorced one lived out in the country the dead end of a dead end road you know that. And we, like I said, I lived on a farm. I wasn't a farmer. I don't know anything about big farming, but I, it was quiet, uh, peaceful. I spent a ton of time outside doing things. Um, and then I also lived right in the city. You know? I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. I can't imagine a rarer experience in the United States than growing up on a small family farm in North Dakota. The rarity of my existence just never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. And the fact that... How big is a small family farm in rural... About 3,000 acres. Yeah. See, that's a pretty big farm, or it it would be, but not out there. Because there's so much land. Correct, yes. And it was small grains and cattle, about, about 300 cattle. That is a unique experience. I mean, as you're talking, I mean, that's like what my grandma, you know, described her childhood. Like, yeah, so how close you know, would, would a neighbor be? Uh, about a mile or two away. Yeah, well, that's not too far. What do you mean that's not too far? As a as like a ten year old, couple of like a mile or two to go somewhere. That's a it's a fairly well, like you can snow, barely see. That'd be tough. In right. the summertime, that's just a little walk. But I, I, I <laughs> he doesn't. He grew up in Crystal. Hey, I ran four miles this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's did nothing. But keep in mind, as kids, Damn. you know, <laughs> back at you, Sam. Even in the seventies and eighties, my mom didn't let me just take off, you know, well, walking I'm, or riding bike to just anyone's house. Yeah, no, yeah. and and I mean, have you been out to North Dakota, like out in the rural yeah. North Dakota? Yes. Yeah, yes. and when you look at a farmstead, I I know it. And, it, and there's I mean, one house yeah. and, and several outbuildings, and the other and one's way over there, mile away. Yeah, yeah. like like. Yeah. I think there's a light on at the. And there was probably no kids over there. 
the the neighbors had kids uh, that were slightly older than me, uh, or no kids at all. Correct. Uh, that that has been a trend for decades. That uh, as as farmers age, as farm families age, a new farm family does not come to replace them, and so then that farm goes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that that trend was definitely active when when I was growing up. But I was fortunate to not have a sheltered existence. I I was an exchange student in 1990, and my mom Where was the one who encouraged to? me to do it. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? I was in Switzerland. Oh shit! That sounds <laughs> nice. Well, that certainly is a big jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I grew up in a very rare existence, yeah. and then I went on to have experiences that were equally rare, and I think part of the, the, the goodness to come out of it is being able to live in different kinds of places and communities with different kinds of people. Right, which is exactly now, you know you're kind of sewing all these things together for people. It does help to have conversations with with older people uh, in that I know what it's like to live on a farm. I know what it's like Mm -hmm. to live in the suburbs. I know what it's like to work in the city. Travel overseas. Uh, Right. So it it does help to put myself in in their shoes, probably more so than what many people might be able to do. Sure. How did you get here to the Twin Cities then? My boyfriend and I completed uh, our years at NDSU at the same time. He moved to the Twin Cities. I already had a job in Fargo, and so I stayed a year there, and then it was clear we would either break up or I would move to the cities, and I moved to the cities, and he became my future husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know which which show we talk about this, but I think we we concluded that uh, I think roughly ninety eight percent we make up percentages on this show um, of all migration happens for uh, love. For like, sure, you know, for sure. no one ever moves because they're like, oh, I just wanted to check it out. Like, right. no, there was a girl there or there was a guy there. Yeah, who was it? I mean, yeah, oh, I this forget. story. I mean, it, it, everyone has this story, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, you know, how, how'd you get here? Mm, well, fell in love with someone. And it was someone from the East Coast. <laughs> who remember? Knows? Shit, I can't remember now. That's all right. <laughs> but, but yes. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so, so your boyfriend eventually became your husband and then unfortunately passed away. Um, that's, a, that's another extremely unique story in our modern times you know you've you've lived some some kind of one-offs in a certain way or very few people would have had those that the opportunity to have had those experiences i think in some unexplainable way that death was meant to be part of my life story and that that would help me relate and get to where I am today. And I want to be very clear that the people I spend my time with interviewing, they're very much in the midst of life. Yep. And when I talk to them, 
well, I ask, what's the best thing that's happened in your life so far? Yeah. There's so much more to live when we're 70, 80, mm-hmm. even 90 for many people. And so I, I feel like the role of death in my life is to, to make me realize fairly consistently how, how short this journey is, how much we can make of it, and we better get busy making it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, we we talked briefly about this off mic, but like it's I'm affected by death as far as it you know I it makes me sad when people are gone, uh, but not not overly affected by it. Not not in the negative anyway. Like where I would dwell on it, and it's I've we've everyone spends some time around death in their life. That's just an inevitability. But some people seem to avoid having to really confront what it means for a very long time uh, and then are kind of terrified of it. And I think, you know, because my family's, there's a lot of medicine in my family, there's a lot of medical folks. Um, And so we've always had honest conversations about this. And my grandfather died. I was very close to him when I was young. And I mean, I think I get what you're saying, that there's death... Death can be crippling or it can be sort of enlightening too. I mean, it's a part of the process and it's a part of the journey of life anyway. We're so, all going in the same direction. We're all headed there. My boys asked me something about that. My, I think my 10-year-old, it was just last night, said, hey, do you, do you ever think about death? And I said, well, yeah, all the time. I'm like, why? I'm like, well, I, it's not that I think about it all the time. I just... it's." it's coming for all of us Maddox like it's inevitable so it's it's always there in the background like are you worried about it? like oh no I'm not worried about it I'm just saying it's always there you know like we're all dying he's like oh yeah you're right I am dying aren't I like he he had that revelation in front of me like you're right yeah I I, I guess if I'm alive I'm headed toward death like that's exactly right that is so. right I think about it all the time oh Jim loves death kind of I don't love it. I mean, that's not the right well, phrase, but you, I certainly do you're, you're talk a lot about it. Comfortable with... I think with, about it quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Like, I can't believe there's... Like, it's going to happen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can. That's the point. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Something's going to happen someday, you know? Yeah, and who knows what that is? I don't know. Culturally, I think... I would like to be a part of the movement, and perhaps the two of you could be a part of it as well with me and yeah, many yeah. Others. what's what's the movement <laughs> where we become more comfortable with aging and more the architects of it than the victims of it boy you really gotta meet katie yeah oh and uh, i'm yeah. i'm on board i'll yeah i'll help in any way i can i right. i think of i think of our uh resource uses and how over the course of a few generations, we managed to go from people seeming... I, my understanding, a couple hundred years ago, or a hundred years ago, or whatever, you know, pre, pre-modern pre era, right? Somewhat modern. Anyway, people would sort of wind down their resources as they aged. They would, they would consume the most resources when their kids were at needing to be fed and were when their lives were the most complicated. And then as they got older, they would move into smaller spaces, require less, and and kind of 
you know, for lack of a better way, but it was sort of gracefully exit life through a, a kind of pre-described thing. But now it seems to me like, uh, like a lot of people as they age, they want to have two houses and they want to have more, you know, they want to keep the same lifestyle they had when they were kind of at the peak of needing resources throughout the rest of their life. And I, I don't really understand why we would do that. There's a, it's a big drain, it seems like, on the world. Yeah, go ahead. You get to be your own architect, Sam. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but I do like talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, too. I think about it a lot because hence where we are. This is pretty much my domain. All this garbage. All the art. You know? He says garbage. Well, I got to do something with it before I die, hopefully, so it doesn't burden everyone. <laughs> yeah. You got a you got a you the got an art, art liberator friend over here who loves giving it away. Yeah, he gives away all my art in preparation for my death. I guess so, I guess it could be in preparation for your death. I I think one of the harder <laughs> things coming again for all of us, and I I've certainly seen it in my family and other families, is what do we do with all this stuff? Yeah. Well, that's that was part of the beginning of why we did the Andalin app, you know, hence, so my parents are both gone as we were talking and I've got the garage full of stuff. How do you I declutter that stuff? I feel kind of guilty getting rid of it. It has no monetary value whatsoever. I tried to bring it to the secondhand store. I brought it, I brought the china and the jewelry and the nice lady there was like, oh dear, this is your mother? She goes, you should keep this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I can't because I don't, you know, I'm like, can't you just give me $5? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, so and it's not about the money. No, it, it's not about the money, but it's but about putting time, it in like, the hands of someone who, who is gonna, who's going to do something with it. Yeah. Because either, she, either she gives you $5 for it and hopefully someone else. Yeah, so and, in your mind, someone, you're thinking someone else you know, will find I it. You can't throw it away, but, but that's the thing, right? So like the decluttering of, you know, the stuff. You know, I think it's hard to know sometimes what should be kept and what shouldn't be kept. And uh, as someone who has worked in the archives, I think the most meaningful things are are items that tell not just you or your kids or grandkids who you were, but might even tell the broader public who you are. Mm-hmm. And so anytime someone tells me they've thrown away a box of letters, I always, I always take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, like why would so you that do that? That is the one thing that I do have. My Keep mother, them. My Go mother them. saved everything. You know, and you can I get rid have of Christmas cards and say of the letters, Merry Christmas, the correspondence of. Her with my father before they were even married. Yes, you that's know? valuable. That yeah. you keep. And yeah. yes, you're right. Unfortunately, the Christmas cards that they've gotten from <laughs> all of their friends, no, no, right. those are, no. those can go. And of course, I mean, we all have limited space, and that's understandable. Right. But there's ways to deal with all of that now. That's uh, there's that's, an app actually there is. that there uh, is. can help with well, that. Well, and, and I like it. I like this way of thinking of it because you're talking about like valuable to other people, right? Well. I I have no direct connection to four generations or more uh, past of mine. 
I like I never met them. They never met me. They didn't see me as a baby. You know, my great grandfather died right before I was born. So that's four generations, right? Or is that three? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. We can figure yeah. it out later. Someone, someone it can fact check. It doesn't in matter. The, the non fact checking yeah. period of this show. Yeah, it never happens. Um, anyway, what I mean is, I, we didn't. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. Does that mean that I don't have an interest in knowing something about them? And I really do. If I if I could, even if it was just a series of letters between mm-hmm. my great great grandmother and my great great grandfather and I could read those and get a glimpse into their life, I would love that. And I think we all feel that way. Mm-hmm. So what's to keep a family member of mine 200 years from now from wanting to see a curated version, not the, not the crappy version where you've got every single thing I ever did, plates of food I ate, all this crazy stupid stuff, a curated version of a glimpse into my world so they have a little bit better understanding of of who I was or who they are because of we are by blood related you know there is an there is a link there is not a direct understanding so trisha has any like when you're interviewing has anything come up that's sort of like shocking or mm-hmm. strange absolutely all the time yeah. that's the best that's, that's the best the part best stuff. i think one of the more interesting realizations for the people I'm talking to and then their kids and grandkids is relating to food. Really? <laughs> oh, that's not what I thought you were oh, going to say. Oh, I think I see where this is headed. I don't. I <laughs> now ask everyone I talk to, when was the first time you ate pizza? When was the first time you ate at a restaurant? Can you imagine your kids, Sam, believing that their grandmother had never tasted pizza till she was 25. Right. Had maybe never been to a restaurant their until she was 20. Food. Yeah. It was it, it was very uncommon for people to eat anything out of outside the realm of meat, potatoes and things that they could raise on their own farm. And oftentimes when I ask people what percentage of food they grew that they ate, it's often a really high percentage. It's oh, yeah. it's almost always over half, and oftentimes it's up in the seventy-five to ninety-five range. They just didn't mill their own flour or or make their some own. Some of sugar. them did. Some of them did, but yeah, but I mean, like the, the, the you bought the staples. The rest right. of it you had. Right. Yeah. So people didn't eat out at restaurants, especially people who grew up on a farm. No. Uh, if they were in the city, perhaps, but still, they often didn't know what pizza was. So so many of the people. I interview who are above the age of 75 had never tasted pizza till they were adults. They didn't even know what it was. They, if you'd have asked them at age 12 what pizza was, they wouldn't have known. Well, wasn't it like the, Chef Boyardee who brought like really kind of made, popularized kinda, a, an Italian red sauce flavor? Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe either of my parents would have grown up eating oh, any parents. sort of Italian food because they were yeah. Norwegians and Swedes. Right. They ate meat and potatoes and whatever yep. was grown on their farms. Right. The other Let thing alone is Asian. planes. You know, think about people like, you know, my grandma. I don't think, I want, in fact, I know my grandmother never was on a plane. Yeah. Ever. My grandmother didn't, never drove a car. She did one yeah. time out on the, on, you know, not yeah. the farm, Same with but my sort of farm. Yeah. They grew up on, yep. Yep. Yes, so definitely flying that yep. is another All topic that, that comes up. And to them, 
they might not think about these sorts of things very often or think they're really all that interesting. But imagine how interesting that is to their grandkids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I blow my kids' little minds when we talk about all this stuff that well. used to exist or, or didn't exist when I, even when I was a kid, even in our lifetimes. Right. You know, you're very close to my age. Things have, you're, you're relatively close, Jim. Oh. He thinks he's so funny. He loves to get these like little jokes in. He thinks that's about funny. his age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because he's a few years older. Uh, the things that have happened, and we talk about straddling the analog and digital, digital worlds, and we, we definitely saw the tail end of the analog age. Not that the digital wasn't a thing. They had sent someone to the moon by the time we were around. But only just. Only at the highest levels had digital technology kind of gotten to people. And then the Sony Walkman came out. And those little TVs you could carry around. And everything changed. And so the kids now, you know, they don't... If you're under 20, boy, you really don't have any understanding. Maybe even 30, I don't know. Of the, of what the analog past looked like, so you're preserving some of those memories. <laughs> so what about things like? I mean, when you're interviewing, you know, did they say like, "Oh, honey, I just wanna, I just want this to go to little Stevie," you know, or something? Do they tell? Do you they ever talk like about that? objects? And the honey part is just what I'm assuming, like old people say to you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, in most of the interviews I do. It seems like we're fast friends. So within 15 minutes of knowing each other, they're talking to me as though I'm someone who understands exactly what they're talking about in 1930 or 40 or 50. And and most of the time I do. Yeah. Uh, So it's talking, it's like talking to an old friend. Um, but in terms of, uh, are, are you yeah, asking? Yeah, yeah, like, are they are they telling you, like, you know, that bass over there, I'd really like little Stevie to have that. No, they don't, they don't do that. Okay. Um, they will sometimes say, uh, can we turn off the microphone and we'll just talk between us for a minute? And of course I do. Yeah. And so... Do you take notes then? No, I don't. I respect their wishes. <laughs> sure. And that's a huge piece of what I do. If they don't trust me, yeah, that ruins. I would never. That, see, that will end everything. the interview. Yeah, I would never yeah. secret, secretly record people. But it is funny when people say like, "Okay, I don't want this to be on there." or Whatever. Usually, what they tell you, you're like, "Yeah, whatever, big deal." Like, it's not. Is it a big deal? <laughs> sometimes do they tell you? Big you can deal just things? say yes or no. Well, you can sometimes. Just or- <laughs> sometimes people will tell me things that make me a little uncomfortable, including. And when mm. that happens, I will ask them if they want that included after our interview. Right. And then there are other things that they seem a little bit uncomfortable with that are hard to imagine for me why they wouldn't want to That's include it. That's the side it. I was right. getting at. Uh, yeah. Oftentimes, these are boyfriend, girlfriend related yep. subjects. Oh, yeah. That's always what I was love. thinking. Yep. It's when they almost moved yep. to North Dakota from... Right. The other side of North Dakota. <laughs> but for no, a, it's, for it's a moving boy. from North Dakota to Minneapolis. I know, but I'm saying, you know, right. back back when, it's when oh. they almost didn't end up with, with you know, someone's great-grandfather or whatever. Right. If it's great-grandma and they're right. talking about great-grandpa, it was like, well, you know, I almost didn't marry him because so I had handsome like, you know, with that said, I mean, like, do you get, like, maybe maybe they would say, like, well, I'll tell you this, but then... Keep this from everyone 
until after I pass, and then mm. maybe it, like a time capsule. Do they have? T- do you have time capsule information? <laughs> I have not done that for anyone. I yet. like that idea. However, if someone was to ask me to like, do that or confide in me and ask that I keep that in confidence until after they're gone, yeah. I, I certainly would. Uh, after having a, a detailed conversation Trisha, with them, I think there's something to that. Jim just got all sorts of yeah, excited over I, that. I, part. I did get kind of he excited loves I'm the, like, he loves the hidden secret <laughs> unveiling well, story. You know, I I find that sometimes people, the kids who are hiring me, or the, even the grandkids, they might want to know something about mom or dad, and I always tell them, if if you are only hiring me to get that information, don't hire me because... What, you mean like they have an agenda? Uh, not so much an agenda, just as, just, just as, a, as they want question, to really maybe. know about dad's World War II experiences. Or, oh, or sure. sometimes it is romantic relationships. Yeah. Sure. And I'll, I always say I will not jeopardize an in- interview for that. Yeah. No. If they want to tell me, I will get the information. If they don't, I yeah. I, I will not push it. I want yeah. that to be a good experience for the person I'm meeting with, and I want it to be a good experience for me. So the only way it's going to be good is if we're friends. And I, I've only made friends from this experience. So that is that is the way to do this. It, it mm-hmm. is to have a real conversation with someone who who trusts me and who feels like I'm someone who understands where they're coming from. Yeah, I mean, we we, we go through the same thing here on the show. Like, I, I do not want to pull from someone something that is private to them. Like, it's, you know, there there is, there should be a right, or there is sort of a basic human right in there to, to just not talk about some things if you don't want to. And that could be war experience. It could be Mm -hmm. love. It could be death. It could be a lot of things. But if it's, you know, you don't, none of us owes to anyone else that, that we explain something deeply personal about ourselves in that way. I don't think. The good thing about the interviews that I do, because they are like conversations, if something was meant to come up in the course of conversation, it will. Yeah, and I imagine people sometimes, like we all do in conversations, think to themselves, oh, shoot, I wish I would have talked about this thing or that thing. Well, is that something that they can come back to you then? Like, I mean, if you've had, like, how does that end? You know what I mean? Say you've had four different sessions, and then a month later, you know, someone will be like, oh, you know what? I forgot all about this. Can they come back to you? And then, and then you know, obviously... That gets Pick it added. back up. Yeah. When I uh, complete the transcription and editing process, the the person I interviewed gets gets that written product. So oftentimes, that's in the sure. 120 page yep. range. So I I bring you that over to their house, to and they unfortunately have homework. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's usually one. They realize, oh, I didn't talk about this, or oh, I didn't describe that quite right, and mm-hmm. so I, I give them the opportunity to to give that to me a second time. And oh, that's cool. Oftentimes, they do realize things that they would like to talk about, and occasionally, I will go back and do one more taping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes they just write it in, and that's right. enough. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, they, because some of this is about content too. Like, 
like you don't want to you don't want to overwhelm people with you know 200 hours of conversation with someone because it just won't ever get listened to then well i think i i think none of us can really completely anticipate what we're going to want to know one day right that's true too (laughs) and all we can do is try to capture it now and later we we will take a look at the entirety of these things and the more the more i can preserve for a family the happier i am because i can't anticipate and they can't anticipate but i will assure you that you will get a complete view of mom or dad's life and you uh, you might take different highlights from it or excerpts from it than what I take but I also usually give people some some of those bite-sized pieces so that when they when they get their final product they aren't just looking at 120 pages right mm-hmm. right yeah it's it's tough to know I uh, there we we joked about a uh, it's a German app that exists that we we. It, I only point out that it's German because I lived in Germany for a while, and it, it just cracks me up that this would come from the mind of a of a German engineer. But um, it it tracks and logs everything you do every day. So like like really literally every experience, it sort of tracks and does something about that. And I think like. Who's got the time to ever go back and live an entire life? Doesn't it take an entire lifetime to scour through an entire lifetime if you wanted to find the information? Like, it's just too much. It's it's way too much information. This is a nice, nice condensed version of people talking about the things that well, it's, they uh, wanted to talk about. Curated. I mean, yeah. they're really talking about what they want. 120 they, pages seems think. reasonable. Oh, that seems reasonable. That's nothing, hardly. That's that's a good, you know, read. Usually, when I finish these interviews, I wish I could just keep doing it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, that's the way we feel on these. We did not. We have not yet got to ask you, like, okay, what do you do for fun? Oh like, yeah, that's right. I love to work out, and I said fun. That is that it, is fun. I know it is. And it was just, a joke, but. I know some people really, really enjoy working out. Like, it's good fun for them. It is good fun for me. I. What do you do? I, I like to do a variety of things. I'm in a boot camp class. I work out with a trainer. I love to do the stairs in Stillwater every week. Oh. I love to run when the weather is better than mm-hmm. it is right now. Yep. I like to do a variety of things. Yeah, okay. Lifting weights is kind of a core. Yep part of my being so i love i love that it's it's fun to to be active and outdoors and relieve stress and right yep yes was that the sexy answer you were looking no for? you know what i actually i, I <laughs> hope it doesn't sound like i have some great expectation that you're like you know i paraglide or something like i don't care well, everyone I does actually thought you were going to be like when the singing thing, I thought maybe karaoke. I am terrible at karaoke. Because something about you, like, I'm like, oh, I, I, I thought maybe you were going to be at the, you know, the moose down the street doing karaoke or something. <laughs> really? I don't you know? like being put on the spot like that. I think it becomes... I kind of got that, yeah. A, as someone who is hired to perform and someone 
who trains for those performances, it, it's it's a little intimidating to just right. all Jump of a sudden there and just go up and sing yeah, some random song. Right. Okay. I will, and I have, but ah. it, it isn't a go-to that I right. choose That's for myself. That's not part of your fun. No, well, it isn't. Well, what type of music are, I mean, so like, you know, you're not, you're not sitting at a piano at three o'clock in the morning with a glass of whiskey on top of it and a cigarette burning an ashtray singing yeah, Billy, she's, Billy she, Joel. She loves to work out. She's not. No, I know, but I'm just saying <laughs> like the, you're I, like, I think of the karaoke person as like, you know, let's get this party going. You know, it's 11 o'clock. Oh, let's turn on the old karaoke. No, no? I, I don't no, think I that's me. friends that actually love karaoke. I mean, they're like professional. Yeah, but they, yeah. but they, I feel like no, you gotta like the bar serious. scene. They're serious to do karaoke seriously. No, they're they're straight up. Just but where do they do serious karaoke? Right down the street, the Moose down here. What's is, the Moose? It's it's a bar. That's what I'm saying. But it's got a huge karaoke. Uh, but they don't there. sing hymnals. <laughs> I also love to travel. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, something Trisha. went weird there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you love the travel, too. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I liked do. it. I, I thought... love many other fun things as well. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really fun to hang out with everybody. <laughs> well, you got... I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to go visiting. That is a North Dakota thing that yeah. maybe is a thing of times past. So, oh, you can keep that alive. So when yeah. I was growing up, I would love when my parents would say, Trisha, who should we go visit tonight? It would be Saturday, and my dad would be done on the farm that day. and uh, Or maybe it rained, and so he couldn't do anything. And So who should we go visit? And I would get to pick my favorite older person to go visit, and we would go do that. And... I still it's alive love well. going to visit today. Yeah. And I think visiting as as an art form uh, needs to be brought back. I think it's alive and well. Well, maybe not alive and well. It, it is still alive. It's holding on. Barely. Um, in, in rural communities with elderly people. Because, or not even elderly, but, you know, with aging populations. Because, like, when we're up north... We've got land up by Bemidji, but that's that's still a thing. You know, the, people will flat out tell you, look, come over to my place tonight because you realize I spend every day alone up here. Like, I, I'll make dinner or I'll have some snacks, come over whenever and just sit with me. for. And then, unlike what I get in the cities here, like, it's four or five, six hours of just small talk, just chat. And, you know, that's like, way too i guess slow paced for down here but it's uh it's it's around i i think it's still out there and i like that i hope you're right i hope that you promote it well i I don't know i like it i like it too if someone would like me to come visit let me know (laughs) (laughs) careful what you wish for well i was i think it's more likely to be crickets right than an overwhelming response you just opened well, it up to the to the weird world of, of people who have tuned their radio dial to our podcast. You have right. no idea. No, actually, we have no idea. To be fair, we we because we just don't know everybody who's listening. The, the listenership keeps growing and growing, 
And I don't know that many people. I mean, I know a lot of people, but not that many people. He doesn't know that many people. Sarah, for sure. Not here. I know a lot of people. I know, but I'm saying that the listenership keeps growing past oh. the point where we can explain oh, who's, mean, listening. who's listening. Because it's most of my friends are not listening to every episode. But someone is. So, yeah, you just opened it up. There's... We actually There's some people going to be calling. Listeners. I just we, we found do. that out. Yep. We do. People are going to be calling you up saying, come on over for a visit. For a, for a visit. I should maybe establish some sort of geographic <laughs> yeah, you boundaries might, and you might other boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yes. But you, but let's say, let's say one of our beloved guests who are all, by the way, very, very nice people. I'm sure of this. Uh Let's say one of them wanted to reach out for a visit and or to have you... Uh, Are we getting to the promotion area? Yeah, do storyography for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, how would they find you other than... And I got to throw this out there because I laugh at us each time. Everybody knows you just Google storyography by Trisha. But if they weren't going to Google, what would they do? Where would they find you? They will find me at storyography which is spelled exactly how it sounds, storyography by T-R-I-C-I-A dot com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. So that's Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Storyography by Trisha dot coms, Facebooks, whatever else you're out there. I'm out there. Well, and I great. love it. I love what I do. I'm so fortunate. I know you do. I know Trisha, you do. It's a really great thing what you do. Thank you. And you it know. is, and it fits in with the community of people that we keep talking to who are passionate about uh, human connection. You know, whether it's and, our and artists, history. our singers, our just our local people who actually care about the communities they live in and the the lives they touch and the things that they do. That's a common theme. So I appreciate. Uh, that you came in, and I appreciate our guests, people who listen. Thanks for coming in, Trisha. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye, everyone. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalyn, and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.